Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just like that. Final hours here on the Thursday edition of Hot Mike with Eddie Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Join us in the chat. Chat is there right now. Search out Outkick on YouTube. Streaming live there, outkick.com and elsewhere. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you. Jim Harbaugh, he's going to serve out the three-game suspension, Chad. Uh, Michigan sending out the statement saying that they've agreed for uh, on Harbaugh doing this with the Big Ten. Uh, the Big Ten has closed and ended their investigation based on this result. So the hearing that was... That was put out there and lobbied about as some, what, uh, who ordered the Code Red speech earlier this week by Harbaugh and, and playing the role of Tom Cruise is not going to happen tomorrow. And what's also not going to happen is he's not going to be on the sideline against Maryland or Ohio State, but will return potentially for the Big Ten Championship game. Also, we should mention this briefly. There is still the on-field justice that can take place here. Ohio State can play a big factor. Maryland as well. But that's the other part of this that is being overlooked is what could happen if they lose a game. It's such a weird situation where I feel like everyone has just convinced that Michigan is going to still handle Ohio State in this game even without Jim Harbaugh. I don't know what that says about Jim Harbaugh as an in-game coach and his true value to Michigan. Clearly he's built a good program that's physical and playing in his style. Uh, but what that says about Ryan Day also, that the assumption is, oh, they'll, they'll still handle that game and go play for a Big Ten title and then probably play for a national championship in the college football playoff. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know any other way to say it with this Michigan thing is, other than Michigan supporters, you have been punked in this whole thing because everyone stood on a table and talked about the injustice that was the Big Ten and their ruling here. And Michigan also said that. And Jim Harbaugh said that and said he was going to be Lieutenant Caffey from a few good men in the courtroom. And then a few days later, they said, oh, never mind. They got us on that. We're going to go ahead and not fight it. We, I know we filed for a restraining order, but forget about that. We're going to serve the suspension. It all seems foolish to me. I, 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 I totally get where you're coming from on how they've treated it. Um, and I'm curious how the NCAA responds and how – it, well, the NCAA will respond in two years. Yeah, it won't be. You know, they'll it they'll finish be. these, these investigations gone, but... in two years. Right, right. Got uh, fake it till you make it. That that was uh, that slogan's been lobbied about based on Carissa Thompson going on with Barstool and uh, admitting that she has in the past made up reports, halftime reports about talking with coaches. Not the first time. This is also a good example of the 24-hour news cycle because two years ago, she was on a podcast with, what, Aaron Andrews, I think, and uh, more or less said the same thing, which we discussed on the show. And now it's a a big headline again without much reference to something that she has said multiple times, but maybe a little bit more detail here with Big Cat and uh, PFT. Uh, I'm, I'm So 
this is specific. It's about sideline reports, but it she's referencing halftime chats with coaches. Is that specific to what she's saying? This is so overblown. So Carissa Thompson, on pardon my take on Barstool, <clears throat> she said all these things on the podcast she does with Aaron Andrews two years ago. She says at the start of the audio clip, um, which I'll paraphrase for you, but she essentially says, I haven't gotten fired for saying this before, and I've said it before, but there are times where coaches are either so uninteresting or won't speak to you that they, you ha- they have to go for you or it's planned. They're going to go for you for the start of the second half speech or whatever, the, the talk with the sideline reporter. And I'll just make up saying something like, yeah, you know, you got to defend better. You got to limit turnovers. I'll say a bunch of things I know the coaches wouldn't care if I said because that's exactly what this coach would say to me. And I've never gotten in trouble for it before. Admitting to making up reports, right? That I talked to the coach and they said this. Look. Not not the heavy this is news. Not, not an injury status. Not something no. that she's observed on the side. This is something where the coaches are probably happy that they don't have to do this. But not number one on camera, because one of the coaches doesn't have to coming out of the locker room. And number two, uh, the fact that no one if you did a script, Chad, and you said real or fake, the Lene Kakua Manti Teo style, real or fake, which interview do you think actually occurred? You could make up something from AI. We could write a script, and you would not be able to tell the difference based on the mundane info that comes out of that if there's no big development in the first half, injury-wise, or something that took place that is developing into the second half. Well, this is where the sideline reporting community needs to to chill out a little bit, okay? Because... What Carissa Thompson has done is just repeated exactly what 85 to 90% of every halftime report says from the coach. They're not really giving you much of anything, right? We only know about the crazy sideline interviews because it's so rare that a coach actually says anything. And there are people, Molly McGrath, Laura Oakman, others are saying, this is absolutely not right. I would tell all young people in journalism classes Never to do this. This is not going to be taught. Stuart Mandel's another one that's just gone over the top on this. I get it. It's not the best thing in the world to say that you spoke to a coach if you didn't speak to a coach, right? Amazon was asked for comment on this okay. in Prime Video, and they said, are you going to address the controversy about this? And Amazon's response was, This is something she said two years ago about things that happened 15 years ago when she was a sideline reporter. So no, we're not going to be addressing it on the broadcast tonight. That is the perfect way to handle this. There is no apology needed. There's no response needed in in this whole deal. This is a testament and a statement on the use of a sideline reporter. It's not detrimental to the outcome of a broadcast. It really isn't. I I want sideline reporters to have a job just like I like human beings having a job. I'm anti-AI taking jobs or robots taking jobs. I want human beings to have jobs and to make money. So this is not me saying there should not be sideline reporters. There are some uses. There are uses for sideline reporters that I think have merit over the course of a game, right? Someone gets hurt. Something serious happens. You need to go to the sideline reporter to find out what happens. You know where you don't need a sideline reporter? 
in a forced comment coming back from the half that says, I talked to Coach so-and-so at the break, and Coach so-and-so says they need to, def- to defend better and move the ball better in the second half and try to limit mistakes to get back in this football game. Back to you guys. I think I just gave you an AI-generated, out-of-my-own-brain statement from Carissa Thompson of what she probably made up at some point over the course of her career. And I'll ask everyone this question. Who cares? Well, Who it- cares if that's the case? If the coaches don't care... I don't care. Now, Hutton, if you're going out there and making up a, hey, they said this player's actually injured even though they're not on the report or this happened and this is a leg injury. That would be obvious. Yes, if they're making something up. And guess what? who would be obvious too? The school and or the team or the coach. And they would come out and say something about it. So, But the fact no one's had an issue with Carissa Thompson as a coach or a team or a school when she's been on the sideline tells me it's not a big deal. It's also, well... So it's also looking at it through a different lens, extremely lazy. Because this would be an interview not on camera, right? Like yeah. I'm thinking about why it matters. Greg Schiano would not have had the the reaction he did at halftime if not for the sideline reporter about Michigan. We wouldn't know Nick Saban's thoughts on Tua going in for Jalen Hurts if not for that halftime interview, right? We wouldn't know uh, certain uh, controversial calls at the end of a half or uh, deciding to kick a field goal with a minute left in the half and then uh, uh, you miss it, give the ball back, team goes down and scores, and you have to interview the coach that didn't go for it on fourth and one in opponent territory. Th- those are things that matter to the context of the game. If it doesn't hold any weight to the broadcast, they go to it anyway. I think it's just the sake of acting like you have access. Not just her in this instance. It's the sake of just the, the, the perception that you have access behind the scenes or to the coach. But it's also extremely lazy because the, the, the SID is going to bring the coach directly to you coming out of the locker room if it's the second coach. You get the coach on camera going to the half, and then by and large, most, most broadcasts get the, uh, the other coach coming out of the tunnel, and most of the time it's during a break right before you come back and kick things off. Um, so I, I look at it from what – if it's just the simple information that's useless, like Chad's describing, no harm, no foul. But it's also lazy if you're – I mean, it's not like – It's not like – it's, it's, like, it's, it's not always it's also, a timing issue. The timing issue – it's always going to be at the same time every week. Yeah. You know when the coach is coming out of the locker room. Look, I, I, I am with you. I, I think what she should have done is told her broadcast team, the coach wouldn't speak to me. So I don't have anything from the coach, but I can tell you what I saw with the team running out of the tunnel or whatever to start the second half. That's what she should have done. The, what, and I think in hindsight, she would admit that. But it's not just about the coach not speaking to her. It's more about getting the information late and just trying to be – have something for the report. Yeah, no, it's nothing. forced. It's 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 you have a spot here. We're right. going to go to you regardless if you have anything. If she has nothing and she had to make something up, what Carissa Thompson or Aaron Andrews, who also, by the way, admitted to this on the podcast, should have done was said, guys, I don't really have anything right now. You just discuss the first half. Or do whatever. That That's a good producer in the truck. That is a good broadcast team. That is what you say. It's not a... We have to go down to the sideline here. Make something up if you have nothing. Not make it up. But if you have nothing, you can repeat the same crap that she's making up 
by having the coach say it. You see, like, and the coach is going to come out of the tunnel and you're going to get said coach because it's within the broadcast agreement. Yeah, she, based on the timing, and you, it, the timing's the same every well, week. Well, again, it, it, the the audio clip she says uh, when a coach refuses to speak to me. Well, that's the report then to me. Yeah, she has said. I mean, this is going back years. Again, she said this is 15 years ago when she was doing this. But if a coach or a school says we're not going to talk to you because we're doing something, she said they would just go to me in a pinch and I would just make something up generic and say what he said at halftime, and no one ever cared. Is basically her line. I, I don't think that's. I don't think this is the downfall of journalism. Too many people online are treating sideline reporters like they're war correspondents in terms of journalism. It's not that important of a job. But I don't think that, I think they too- can add something to the broadcast. They can do all of those things, but it's not that important. It dep- only in this instance, though. Like it, the, the halftime interview is mostly yes. useless. But in well, the I'm case going of by some- this instance because she's not talking about making stuff up when there's a tragedy in the crowd. Right. Or when someone's had a devastating injury. That's a different story, and we're talking about this in a different or way. Or a roster If she decision, said that. Whatever. Yeah. But, or but, this guy's not going to come back in the game, and then he comes back in the game but I think because the, she made it up. But I, I mentioned that I think the reaction online has been about that context and not knowing exactly what the context is, which is just, you know, we need, we need to get off the field. Defense has got to get off the field and give the, the offense a chance yeah. here because we, we only had – Two possessions there in the well, second I don't quarter. want to be overreactionary to people online or social media on this, but what she said and what other sideline reporters are accusing her of and saying this is absolutely what never to do to young journalism students out there, I think is a bridge too far. I think they're overblowing it and making a bigger deal out of it. I get it. Looking back, and I bet Carissa Thompson would tell you this too, Probably just tell the truck I don't have anything because the coach refused to speak to me would have been the right way to go. But what she is saying is not detrimental to a broadcast and is not detrimental. And I hear it too much. But if that's what they tell you, that's what they tell you. How many times in a game do you watch them go to the sideline reporter and it's exactly what she would have made up? That we all could come up with it and say, this is what the coach said at halftime. Now, when there is a weather event, when there is a big injury when there is a delay in the game, a fight, yes, I want to go to the sideline reporter and give me something. Tell me what you're seeing down there. And there is a skill to it. I would argue that it's of the things I've done in broadcasting, it's the easiest job I've had. It's not difficult if you know what to look for, but there is definitely a skill to it. And I want sideline reporters and good ones to continue working. I'm not for the elimination of the sideline report or the reporter. What I am for is the elimination of other sideline reporters crucifying Carissa Thompson and acting like she's a war correspondent yeah. because she made up something that the coach would have said otherwise. I, you know what? That's generic. I'm in favor of doing away with the halftime interview unless it's warranted based on the news. But the networks and the decision makers aren't going to do that because yeah. they're not going to skip it if there's no news because then that can be used against them as not needed if they really want to ask a coach a question right? The access and the perceived access is what they want. So I I guess I wonder from her perspective too, if she was asked to just make something up on the fly, be generic, instead of saying that the coach did not give them access. I don't know the context of the game. I don't think so because she said, I've, I've admitted this before and I've yet to get fired for it. So I don't think she was told by a boss to do that. (laughs) She's saying, this is what I did and acted like I was told something and, and went on with it. 
Chad, coming up. Again, uh, not the perfect way to handle it, but I also think it's being overblown to act like she's not a professional and this is a lesson in what never to do and, you know, d- never do. It's That's overblown. Yeah, I mean, as long as it was a timing thing and it wasn't, oh, uh, you know what, I'm going to go and grab a water now because I can make up the generic stuff about what this coach would tell me anyway and the, the lazy approach to it instead of knowing that the team's coming back on the field and the coach is coming directly to you. Uh, coming up uh, a bit later this hour, we'll dive into Dana White and Dan Lebetard saying that UFC has made ESPN political, which is funny coming from him when he worked there and ESPN being political. Well, uh, Dan Lebetard uh, complained that they were out at ESPN because they should be doing more politics at ESPN, and they didn't like and they that were they were being political. McAfee and UFC and... Others. Yeah, it's ridiculous. We got a lot to we'll, talk about. Oh, we'll dive into that. Plus, a lot uh, to talk about. Ryan Tannehill and the the deep fake and McAfee falling for it with the backup for the Titans wanting to be released. Florio said it's something the Browns should look into. We'll discuss it later. Ryan Leaf is next. We'll get his thoughts on football on the field. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Loving Thursdays. Chad, I've... We just had one of the most difficult <laughs> spelling episodes I've ever seen. Yeah. Of an email address being dictated to Otten and I'm spelling Chad out a word. And I'm just the word. like, the word is this. Just Hutton knows how to spell this. I'm just going to give him the word. Instead of spelling it I out. I couldn't say the first. I didn't know the first uh, word. That was it. I don't uh, want to give out Ryan's yeah, email address yeah. on air, or I would say what it was, but it was, it was, I was just sitting back uh, humored by the whole thing. And I'm thinking it's this word, just spell out that word and then add these three letters. Chad was about it was, to it was learn amazing. about my, uh, my education. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, uh, he, he would be, he'd be the first person I ever asked for him to, for me to present a degree. It's a, it's a word that if my eight year old were in here, that I would challenge her with. Okay. So I'm not saying it's the easiest word to spell, but it's one that I would say, spell this out, sound it out, and I think she could do it probably in the first, maybe second try uh, if I gave her the chance to spell it out. Easy for us to spell Ryan Leaf, uh, who joins us uh, weekly here on the program. Always great to catch up with you. Hope the family's doing well, and uh, yeah, uh, plenty to discuss across the, the football landscape. How are you, Ryan? I'm lovely, gentlemen. Yes, consultant is very hard to spell. Okay, I get it. I didn't yeah. want to. Yeah, it's, yeah. consultant. I'm glad. Yes. I, I'm glad you knew so exactly I, what we were talking about. You are. Uh, you're still on baby watch, right? We are. We're on baby watch. Um, we run into a little problem because, for some reason, uh, our OB uh, decided it was not a good thing to tell us that he was going to go on vacation uh, November 18th oh. through the 25th. Mm. Uh, which is directly during our our go time, and so either we got to go tomorrow or we got to wait till the twenty sixth. And you know how kids they don't they don't really uh, listen to us that much. 
ever. So we'll we'll find out how this one all plays out. This was a uh, plot point in the movie Knocked Up uh, with Seth Rogen back in the day where the uh, OBGYN was out of town. So um, so let's start with Michigan here, Ryan. And and, um, the decision today by Michigan to not fight this thing in court is definitely a reversal from what they said when this punishment came down last Friday. They were going to fight it. They're issuing statements about that. Jim Harbaugh, as early as Monday, as recently as Monday, is saying, I'm going to be Lieutenant Caffey from A Few Good Men and fight this thing in a courtroom. And a day before they get their day in court, they say, hey, forget about it. We don't, we don't contest it anymore. We'll take the three-game suspension. What do you make of the, the roller coaster of this past week with Michigan? I mean, I don't know what to think of college athletics anymore, really. It's, uh, it's so interesting. <laughs> Uh, anybody can kind of do whatever they want. Uh, coaches upset about their players being recruited out from underneath them. You know, the sign stealing aspect of things. I think what he, I think he got some news from the big 10 that said, Hey, we're not going to, uh, if you uh, take this on the chin, we're not going to go any further from three, which means you could uh, coach in the national semifinal and the national championship, because clearly Michigan and his team believe that, the Wolverines are that good this year. They have a chance to play for a national championship. So that was good enough. You know, they know the NCAA is not going to get around to investigating this thing for, I don't know, a year, two years, who knows how long it takes the NCAA to do anything. So I think this was just finally an opportunity for them to say, all right, we'll put it to bed. Um, I'm sure he would love to be part of that Ohio state game. And it's not just a walkover. I don't think at all, but they have to be pretty confident uh, to, uh, uh, to just kind of take this on the chin and, and move forward. Ryan, it is go time for several teams uh, in the NFL, uh, including Cincinnati. They're 0-2 in the AFC North, and they have a chance to pick up their first divisional win on the road in Baltimore, Thursday night football. What do you make of where the Bengals are, and both teams enter this game, surprisingly, coming off losses? Yeah, I didn't expect this to happen, especially with playing the Browns and the way they started in Baltimore. And the same with the with the uh, Bengals playing against the Texans team that has you know a great rookie quarterback. But don't yeah. forget, I mean, they lost to Carolina just two weeks ago. You know, so it, it, the NFL is just week to week, and this is a shortened week, and it really falls at the the feet of of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's got to be special tonight. Without T. Higgins, uh, with the offensive line that's been broke down a little bit. On the other side of that, I mean you look around this week and there were stats being thrown out about the Baltimore Ravens in reference to some of the greatest teams of all time, the 72 dolphins, the 85 bears, the 2008 uh, Patriots, Uh, all of these things that we hear about. And uh, the difference is all the 2000 Ravens or the 2023 Ravens. I I, I get your point. The 2023 Ravens are, they're all being compared to these other teams. They all have the same statistics as the 72 dolphins. As the 85 Bears, okay, 25 plus points per game, uh, rushing leader and uh, defensive scoring. Like that's the only team that has the same stats through 10 games. The Dolphins. They were 10 and 0. They're seven and three. The, the fact that they're losing some of these games, it's just I don't understand it. They are by far the better football team. By far, defensively, offensively, talent. They are. I just don't know what's going to play out in this game. I would suspect they bounce back. I mean, th- what they did to Detroit and Seattle yeah. a few weeks ago, just yeah. that's who they are, but they're also this where they can be up 24 to six and get beat. Um, so I, you know, with a short week, I expect them probably not to do too much. Um, and 
there's some skepticism out there that that Joe Burrow may be dealing with some uh, some some issue with his uh, throwing hand, his wrist. So we'll see if that has plays into anything tonight. And they they've lost games after holding uh, three what different separate leads of 14 points or more. Uh, that's the big yep. stat difference with the other teams that you're mentioning. They're the great teams. Uh, also in the division, Steelers and Browns. Deshaun Watson headed to uh, rehab the shoulder injury, broken bone in the shoulder. And did so in the first half last week. It came out in the second half. It was 14 to 14 and played great. That was the best showing we've seen from, from Watson. Now he's on IR. Uh, Pittsburgh's 2 and 0 in the division. They can sweep Cleveland here. And Cleveland's defense is also very intriguing because they, they can actually play ball week in and week out. That travels. And so does a run game. Even without Chubb, they run the football and Pittsburgh allows rushing yards defensively. Yeah, I would definitely uh, uh, probably go all in on the under on this one. Yes. Whatever that will yes. be. The sooner the better on 30, this deal. I think it's 32 um, and a half. Oh, God. It's gone down that far. That's that's super low. Um, Giants-Washington, Pittsburgh's by the lost. way, is 36 and a half. Put that in perspective. Um, <laughs> the Steelers are, uh, they've only won one game in Cleveland over the last four times they've been there. Uh, it's a tough place to play. It's a division game. Um, you know, DTRs had a full week. Dorian Thompson Robinson, the rookie out of UCLA has a full week. He was just thrown into the mix against the Ravens earlier this year, right before the game. So, um, I, I, I like the, the Browns in this game, but I've liked a lot of opponents of the Steelers all year long. And the Steelers have just found ways to win football games. They, they are sticking around. It's not pretty, but they have great defense. They run the ball. They kind of found a one, two punch and Jalen Warren, as well as Najee Harris. So, you know, this is the lack of quarterback play, uh, in Cleveland, the defense has to step up and the defense is going to have to make uh, um, some sort of scoring play, I think, to to get this one done. But it is at home. Uh, it is with that defense. So I think Cleveland finds a way to stay in the race with a win over the Steelers this weekend. You mentioned Dorian Thompson Robinson being thrown in back in week four and then having the full week to prepare. Can you put into perspective for us what Joshua Dobbs has done for Minnesota over the last two weeks? And uh, honestly, O'Connell as well, because he Dobbs has been thrown in the mix prior to this with other coaches. This is the first time we've seen the coach and the quarterback go get wins in this instance. Uh, but it's it's Dobbs that's been able to show up and decipher exactly how to jump in and produce instead of jump in and just uh, don't turn the football over. Yeah, it's been exceptional. He's been smart. Uh, you know, he's played football well. And I think he adds a different kind of dimension in Kevin O'Connell's offense, one that he probably couldn't quantify. Uh with Kirk Cousins, and that's not a slight on Kirk at all. It, it, it's exactly what Josh Jobs brings to the table. He's able to use his legs a little bit more, his athleticism. He's like I said, he's smart. He throws the ball to the the right receiver. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson is going to have a field day uh, playing with Josh Jobs because of that connection. Uh, and then don't forget Justin Jefferson. You know he's on the twenty one day uh, practice uh, schedule now, and before you know it the best player on offense for the Vikings is back. Who would have thought that the Vikings Broncos game that was surely going to be flexed out of Sunday night is now with two teams that have maybe two of the longest winning streaks. Well, I know the Vikings have the longest current one, which is five and uh, the Broncos have three consecutive wins. So this is a great game, a lot of fun that goes into it. And, you know, you love to see people, um, 
you know, make plays, do good things, and be rewarded by it. And and they certainly have on both sides. Dad, the, the Broncos were one and four. Minnesota was one and three. And here they are. Minnesota currently in the playoffs. Denver's with a win would be 500, which is also crazy to think about. It's an amazing story. And uh, the Vikings, right now, season ends. They're in a playoff spot. Can't say the same about the New England Patriots. Uh, and oh. Mac Jones, I... I, I I watched an interception. I see his body language on the sideline when he's getting benched for Bailey Zappi in the two-minute drill at the end of the game. Is there any chance that he has any chance moving forward in New England to be the starting quarterback for that team? I don't think so, but I don't think anything's going to move forward in, uh, in New England. I think this is this is the last year for Bill Belichick. Um you know, I, I use the reference Tom Landry with Jerry Jones. I know that's a young owner taking over the team, getting rid of one of the greatest coaches of all time when he went three and thirteen in his final year. There's there's a chance that that, that can look like that, and uh, and so I feel bad for Mac Jones. I thought his response to being benched was exceptional. The way he came over and fist bumped Bailey Zappi, got guys going. I mean, I. I don't know if I I would have had that. I certainly wouldn't have had that wherewithal being benched in that moment like that. I mean, we all knew the outcome was going to be. We knew it was going to be an interception. They weren't going to get it done. Bailey wasn't going to come in and be like some difference maker. He hasn't. He's not that guy. Um, I just feel like Mac Jones has been set up to fail there. From his teammates, it sounds like he works incredibly hard. He's a great leader. He's a good teammate. But when you don't perform, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're the most beloved person in that locker room. Uh, if you're not performing, then it's 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 a no go. And I feel like this this coaching staff and this organization really let the the young man down after that year. Year one is a rookie, three thousand yards passing, twenty plus touchdowns, uh, a QBR of like ninety two. I mean, that shows you can play in this league, right? You can be really uh, uh, you know successful in this league, and then to just saddle him with defensive coordinators. I the fact that they positioned him in a place where that development could have been beaten back like that. I think it's, 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 it did him a, a huge disservice, but I don't expect either uh, the staff or uh, that, uh, or the quarterback to be in new England next year. Got two more for you in a minute each here, Ryan, Ryan leaf with us uh, jets bills. Is this a de facto elimination game for both? It's it certainly for the bills who could be swept here by the New York jets on Sunday. And they're five and five currently. That's yeah, a big deal. It, when you fire your offensive coordinator in season, it, it normally doesn't bode well. Uh, you have to go back to 2012 when the Baltimore Ravens fired Cam Cameron after a nine and four start, added uh, Coach Caldwell as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. They would go on a historic run through the playoffs with Joe Flacco, win the division, and win the Super Bowl. So that's the last time it's worked. Now, Joe Brady has that ability. The connection he made with Joe Burrow, if he can have any semblance of that type of relationship with, with Josh Allen, they have the offensive firepower to do it. And I feel like the defense is kind of starting to click now that all the backups and all the guys they had to put in with all the injuries are starting to play better. So there's that possibility. But it's every bit the possibility they end up the season eight and nine as well, too. What do you make of Philadelphia and Kansas City? for Monday night where the Chiefs and Eagles have the rematch of the regular season now from what was the Super Bowl in a very exciting game. Yeah, only been eight of these ever uh, where you've had a Super Bowl rematch the following regular season. Uh, eight times, six of which the Super Bowl champion won the game. 
Uh, the only time it was back after Super Bowl four, I think the Chiefs uh, got beat by the Vikings. And then a few years later, after the Cowboys, uh, well, many years later, after the Cowboys embarrassed the Bills in the Super Bowl, they got a little revenge during the regular season, but then got beat in the Super Bowl again the next year. So um, and it falls in the favor of the the, the team that's won. And, and so I'm going to go with the Chiefs in this one at home. Uh, you know, Travis just got back from a world tour with uh, with Taylor. He's, he's flying. <laughs> you know, she's singing songs about him. He's going to go for about 200. The pe- the parents are meeting. It's, you know, it's, it's kismet. It's uh chiefs chiefs, 27 Eagles, 24. I love uh, we're in week 11. And in week one, if you would have told me part of the breakdown of the Super Bowl rematch would be the parents are meeting. Uh, yeah, that's where we are. That's it has no, it has no relevance. We're, just, oh, I know, uh, I know. we're probably going to get millions of people though, that tune in for that storyline. Yeah. Uh, on oh, top yeah, of the people who are watching me? for we the will. football. We will. Uh, Ryan, always great, man. Thank you for the time and uh, keep up the great work uh, with your podcast. But also, uh, hopefully everything goes great with the family. And if we don't catch up next week, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. I will keep you posted, my friends. Thank you, man. There's Ryan Leaf. One of the best right there. Always enjoy his insight. And yeah, he's he's right about the Bills. You got to win this game against the New York Jets. Coming up, Dana White, Ryan Tannehill, and... We tell you our bets for Thursday night football, plus who we're taking in the elimination picks in week 11 of the NFL. That's next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Six of the Peabody are located with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolling on here, getting you to your Thursday evening. Hopefully, it's been a fast-paced work day for you. i got to turn off the YouTube chat. It's distracting right now. Every time I look down, it's just yeah. something else Apparently nonsensical. You, you were asked to uh, be the moderator as well during the show. Uh, yeah, they're like, like, uh, like, Chad, you have the power. Block everyone on here. I'm like, I, I have no power. Let's, let's put this on the record. I have no power over – we have no power over break content – and we have no power over moderating the YouTube chat. I want that perfectly clear for everyone that's watching because there are about three people in the YouTube chat. That, that's all they comment on. We talk for close to three hours a day, and they comment on something during the break or something someone says on the YouTube chat wanting me to correct it right away. I do not have that power. I'll be the first to say, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I'm not going to pull a Carissa Thompson and lie to you about a sideline report and pretend I have power that I do not have. I have no power Chad over those never, two things. has never lied in regards to his report on how the chat's doing in any, any day. That's not a comment on either one of those things. That's me saying, I can't do anything about yeah. it. I cannot change it. And for people in the chat right now, I, what you can do personally on a YouTube chat is you could block someone if you just don't want to read what they're saying. And then you won't see it anymore. So, so you can personally we need the block everyone to be to, to watch and then block them or something. Well, remove them out they of the could chat. do that permanently from the chat. I'm saying yeah. you individually that's complaining about me not blocking it from the Outkick account that I do not have. Chad, get in there. What you work. can do personally is click that person's profile and put block, and then you will not see what they're saying again. Chad, get in there and do more. Okay. 
I really, I think I need more to do. <laughs> That's what we're all saying right now. I, I not need to, anymore. I need to moderate this chat. I need to host. I need to block it. I need to edit out new break content for people on here, not me. Uh. People on here saying that. I need to do all these things, apparently. This is what the chat has convinced me of today. I need to get away from the chat, is what I'm saying. Chad's upset over the chat. But Maybe not- a chance to do that soon. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe a chance to do that soon. So, yeah. Uh, not Monday, but soon. I guess. Uh, soon. Dan Libertard, uh, more angry than uh, you are about the, the chat in, in regards to the UFC <laughs> and Dana White making ESPN political. Dan Levitard is, is, just- is mad that ESPN allows... Uh, let me get this straight. I'll say this as plain as I can, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Dan Levitard is big mad that ESPN allows Dana White to be friends with Donald Trump, who is the former president of the United States. And he wasn't mad whenever Dana White signed a mega deal with Bud Light and had everyone else up in arms that are now praising Dana White. Well, Dana White came out this week and said, I had a huge sponsor that when I posted something in support of Donald Trump during the election called me and said, take that down or text me. And he said, bleep you to the sponsor and said, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't care who you vote for. I don't tell you who to vote for. You're not going to do that to me. And Dana White was very animated about it. But Dan Levitard is mad that Donald Trump showed up at a UFC event and that ESPN allows that to go on their show. While simultaneously, Hutton, help me out with this one. Go ahead. Simultaneously, he's also mad that himself, Dan Levitard, uh, Sarah Spain, Bamani Jones, I think are the three examples yep. that they weren't allowed to talk politics enough and that they're no longer at ESPN because ESPN wanted to get away from politics and didn't want them there anymore. But they deserve the right to talk about their politics. But Dana White can't be friends uh, and support the former president. I don't care. I'm much like Dana White told that sponsor. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what you vote for. I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. I don't care. I'm also smart enough to know that Dan Lebitard is a hypocritical lunatic when he is saying this about ESPN and Dana White and what he does with UFC. It's ridiculous. Also, Dana White and UFC control everything about the production. ESPN just airs it. Well, ESPN also controls the pay-per-view money. Right. They, they pay for the option to have the pay-per-view. But so Dana White is in charge of the production, that. so he can do what he wants yeah. on that production. And if ESPN wants to decide not to air it, I think they'd be stupid based on what they make off of it and, and the exposure it gives them. Um, they can do that, but give me a break, dude. We also said that they, they, uh, favored, the, that, that they favored McAfee's non-political uh, stance and uh, approach to, to sports talk over Bomani Jones and him and Sarah Spain and others, I'm sure. Uh, well, you know what they favor? They um, favor people watching. Yes. Yeah. They favor the fact and that Pat McAfee has an on audience. streaming uh, channel, ESPN Plus. They favor an audience and, and over a non-audience. Every week he's providing program, multiple shows with, you know, looking for a, you know, a, trying to find the next fighter or uh, Dana White's looking for a fight. You've got the Contender Series. You've got all these different things, plus pay-per-views. Um, you've got the weekly shows that are, you know, trying to build up to the next pay-per-view. Well, didn't Dan Levitard sign like a $55 million contract with uh, DraftKings also? Oh, I'm sure. Like, I mean. But yeah, I think he was one of those. GTFO with this. Like, what, what are we doing here? 
You're going to talk about a company that made you a ton of money in ESPN and speak poorly of them where you took their money forever. And ESPN was very left-wing like most media companies for a long time. And now media ESPN has made what you find to be just an atrocious decision to wait for it, Hutton, be more about sports and be less political, and you are offended by that. Well, but also, this is his programming. I, I think if you just ignore the other, if it, you don't agree politically with someone, you just, from the media stance, you're giving him oxygen. The last time we mentioned him was in a feud with uh, Stephen A. Smith, going back to the ESPN mentions. Like, just ignore the crap. That's what, I mean, again, like, uh, Dana and Bud Light's a headline for the opposite reasons, and now it's a, a headline because he's telling a, another sponsor to leave. I should also point out some of the people in our within chat. A month, are, within a month, he's, he's, yeah. uh, he's, made a, uh, he's, he's made a headline for either side. I should point out some of the people in the chat who are great, Allie and Jake, two of them, even though I disagree with Jake a Jake, lot in yeah, the chat. Jake's legit. They're both great Allie contributors. Well. well, Allie says, Chad, you're talking about the Peloton CEO telling Theo Vaughn that he has to take down his RFK Jr. interviews yeah, that, that was he in, did on that there. In, and uh, that's, the what led, that's what led Dana White to saying what he said about a sponsor telling him to take down whatever he posted about, uh, about Donald Trump. Uh, I, I love Dana White's response. I like Dana White a lot. I, I think he's a, a bit of a rebel when it comes to sports and, and media. Which and is real. He doesn't I, cancel I, himself. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that about him. I, I'm fine with it. And look, ESPN... I mean, they're trying to make money and people care about UFC and they watch and Dana White and UFC is a brand. So uh, look, it doesn't tell if you would argue like because the UFC production shows Donald Trump at an event that that's somehow something ESPN should take down. Well, that's stupid. But from Dana's stance, he doesn't really care what you're saying or if you're just being yourself. He has fighters that call him Dana White privilege. Whenever he someone else gets a, a spot over them, yeah, and he's at the podium at a press conference when that's being mentioned. Well, and I, I appreciate how uh, Dana White is not a hypocrite and all this stuff. You know what else he doesn't care about? He doesn't care when ESPN interviews Barack Obama or Joe Biden or has coverage of them at all. He doesn't say anything about that. He right. doesn't care. They have the right to do that just like he does. What he said in his statement to me rings the most true. And that is when the sponsor called him, he said, bleep you. And he said, I'm not telling you who to vote for. And I don't care who you vote for. So you're not going to do the same to me. Amen, brother. Great job. I wish more people took that approach. Yep. Uh, Speaking of, we mentioned McAfee. McAfee, uh, this could happen to anyone. But you had Florio, who had the column at Pro Football Talk about the Browns should make a play for uh, either Jimmy Garoppolo or Ryan Tannehill without trading for them, though both teams have both quarterbacks as backups. And they're going to be paid millions over the final stretch here of the season. And those teams could save money, Titans and Raiders, if you have them cut and they're picked up on the waiver claim. Now, if they make it through waivers, you owe that player the full amount. Tannehill's around $12 million remaining over this final eight-game stretch. Uh, but taking it a step further, 
Florio was saying, hey, uh, the Browns should just guarantee that they're going to claim the remaining money and they will put in a waiver claim for either quarterback to help them out here. Well, you had McAfee, who saw this from a, 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 the fake uh, Jeff Simon. Uh, uh, by the way, Jeff Simon, uh, ESPN, ESPN is the account, yeah. Where McAfee now works also. Uh, breaking, uh, Titans second string quarterback Ryan Tannehill is requested to be released from the team per sources, hashtag NFL. Of course, not, not true. Uh, and uh, when you pair the two together, you're thinking, oh, uh, well, it makes sense from the Browns' perspective. doesn't make sense from Tannehill's perspective. Now, uh, that, that, is a, um, that is an enormous error. It's one that's common. Like, people but retweet the network, you're saying. on air. Yeah, that, yeah, that would be would like know. us coming on air with, you know, uh, Davey giving us a screenshot of a tweet that we have to react to in real time, and it's from someone who writes at OutKick. And yeah. then us not knowing that that person doesn't exist at OutKick, and that news is fake and not real. So that's a huge error by someone who produces McAfee show. I don't think yeah. it's Pat McAfee saying, hey, go to this tweet right away and put it up on the screen. Uh, that's that's a pretty pretty bad mistake by them to get a, a fake ESPN writer Jeff Simon. giving a fake story. Hey, Jeff. Jeff Simon, ESPN. And apparently Davey was telling us the photo of Jeff Simon is some French billionaire who's dead. That's the photo of, of Jeff Simon. Uh, I don't understand the, you the, 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 the psychology French billionaire of trying to... The news of Tannehill, the yeah. guy who doesn't speak. It's pretty funny. It's a pretty pretty funny story overall. Not but a bad yeah, idea not, by Florio either, by the way. Pretty pretty bad mistake. Um, I think Florio, though, his plan is a good one. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And there's ways to do that and know, hey, we released this guy, you got him, and uh, it was someone you trust. And if I'm the Browns, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson, or I don't know how healthy Ryan Tannehill is overall, but if you gave me a healthy Ryan Tannehill as an option for a team that's six and three right now, sign me up. Mm-hmm. I, I'd much rather have that option. I'd pay the and twelve no gonna, million left this year. No other team's going to claim the Browns for that. Because no. of the money, right? Because of the money involved. Uh, Chad, Bengals, Ravens. I'm, I'm taking Baltimore at home, uh, laying the three and a half, and I also will take the under because the under has hit eleven for eleven in night games for the last eleven games. Yeah, I saw that under stat, so I'm definitely going with that. I, I want to take Cincinnati the, yep. in this game badly. It's two teams coming off losses, right, that, that are trying to bounce back. Um, but I think the Ravens bounce back at home. So I, I, I'm going to go with Baltimore as well. NFL Eliminator picks. We welcome in Davey Hudson. Uh, Chad, you end up with the first pick this week. Uh, last week you went with the Seahawks. It took a, a W. Well done. This week, I'm going to go with another team that's uh, got a little bit of teal turquoise going on with their color scheme. Give me Jacksonville. Titans are done. Well done. Titans are awful on the offensive line. Jags will get it done at home. Davey, uh, the Bills should not have done this to you, but they, they did. They did. They, 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 did. they lose in prime time. 12 men on the field, Davey. You have your strike. Who are you going with this on week the field. to save Someone the said DeMar Hamlin was the 12th guy on the field. Talk about an absolute turn on a Monday night football game. You, you got to play um, 11, Davey. got to play 11. Yeah. There's also the pine tar incident that I think needs to be looked into, but I'm, I'm not here to talk about last week. This week, we're bouncing back. Looking to Josh Allen. We're going with the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. Dolphins, they'll get it done. They're playing some team. Who, who, are they, who are they playing? Oh, yeah, the Raiders. The Raiders got an interim head coach. They're starting some guy named Aiden O'Connell. I feel like Tua, as he looks to Cigar win smoking Raiders. the MVP, 
Yeah, he's not going to let this team come in and be the one to knock him off. I, I think yeah, you're right on this. Yep, yeah, you should you should survive here. Uh, give me the Detroit Lions hosting the Chicago Bears. Uh, Jared Goff and company. All they do is cover, and Justin Fields and the Bears just in general average two turnovers per game this season when playing away from Soldier Field. This should be an easy cover. I'm taking Detroit to win, and I'll continue staying without the loss, at least thus far. So far, Chad's picking up the pace here in the new season. Well, let's um, not go patting ourselves on the back just yet. I do have zero points in wrong team favor. We'll find out more about that tomorrow. Join us 3 o'clock Eastern. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network.